With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business, especially in today's economy. But over 31,000 businesses do know their numbers because they use NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of financials, planning, budgeting, and inventory so you can manage risk and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. See why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com go. NetSuite.com go. Hey, what's up? What's up? Welcome in. It is GC Live Tuesday episode of the show. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. We are, of course, as always, brought to you by Affordable Medical USA. Check them out, affordablemedicalusa.com, 803-926-1493, home of the game day chair. Hopefully, we're going to get through the show. We've both uh, been dealing, Chris, dealing with internet issues today. I was dealing with them yesterday. We're going to do our best, so if we get... uh, splotchy or something or pixelated at some point or um there's a little bit of delay in the response so we apologize in advance but didn't want to cancel the show at the last minute so here we are we're gonna do it we got uh, i see several of our loyal degenerates are in the hopefully soon to be named chat and um glad to see all of you hope you have been having a great tuesday and chris uh it's kind of this is the way covering a football team is. Yesterday, it was like this, and this it was like a news dump basically, where so many people talked, and there was so much to sort of try and glean from it. You almost can't hit everything in one show or one, certainly not one article, maybe even one day of articles. Um, now it slows down a little bit as far as new information, but I do think there's probably still some stuff from yesterday that we didn't have time to hit on that maybe we can get into a bit today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the, with the official news about the coaches that were being retained and then three new ones that were brought on when, of course, there's some moves that are still to come. There's a lot going on in recruiting right now. You know, um, the recruiting side of things, Wes, for us the past, I don't know, several months, it's been a little slower on that front and there are a lot of reasons for that. You know, the the first one, the most obvious one is with COVID-19 sort of going around um, that of course forced a shutdown of in-person recruiting. And and that's, you know, continued until next April, at least April 15th is, is when the dead period is carrying through. But so there haven't been official visits or unofficial visits or, or a lot of game visits for people. What we've seen from prospects up until now, um, is just going around to campuses on their own, just sort of driving around, walking around campus, not meeting with anybody. And so that's been one thing. And then obviously the way South Carolina season went, there was not a ton of recruiting buzz. So some of that's picked back up in terms of the recruiting buzz with some of these new names that are being hired, coaches making contact with 2021 prospects, 2022s. There's there's some activity on that front. So that's a little different um, than it has been lately. And then obviously plenty of coaching stuff to continue talking about on the team front as well. 
Yeah, I think South Carolina fans um, will be excited for us to, and me personally, I'll be excited as well, man, to be honest, to maybe see South Carolina um, get involved in some of these more maybe national battles as far as 2022 recruiting class goes. Um, early on towards like the middle part of the era, we, we saw that. We were able to cover some some big-time recruiting battles, even into you know, the last class and covering the Jordan Birch um, saga there. As much as we shake our heads and um, maybe sometimes get frustrated with trying to grab information and grab accurate information, um, those are fun, too, and they, they bring a lot of interest, um, you know, to, to our website, but the South Carolina athletics in general. And there just hasn't been that buzz for maybe the last – Shoot, dude, what would you say, 12 months, other than maybe a, a hit here or there? Uh, you know, there was some buzz when South Carolina sort of surprisingly landed at George Wilson. Um, there was obviously some buzz looking back when Gunnar Stockton committed. But because of, like you said, man, the way the season has gone, uh, or the way the season went, it's now over, obviously. Uh, just you, you lost a, a little bit of that edge as far as people. So, I, uh, you know, and their interest in South Carolina recruiting. So I'm hopeful that – we'll be able to see a bump as South Carolina maybe gets more involved in some big-time players again and actually has a shot with them that the fans will get a little bit more tied into recruiting again because I think people just get tired of, of maybe seeing, uh, you know, three all three-star guys and um, maybe not battling with some of these other big-time programs. You're not going to win all these battles, so that leads to another problem, you know, when you lose out to a, a major program, but still – I'm excited for there to maybe be some more excitement in, in that side of things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's setting up to where you look at the 2022 class and beyond. I think we're going to start seeing some more compelling recruiting battles. You mentioned even in 2020, even at the end there, after a, after a four-win season for South Carolina, they still landed a quality class. They still beat out a bunch of Blue Bloods for Jordan Birch. They still landed, you know, Luke Doty and Tonka Hemingway and you know, some really good guys in that class. Um, and then, you know, obviously for 21, we knew that it wouldn't be as much that case. So really it's compelling for a different reason going into, you know, the latter part of the 2021 class. Now what it's about is, you know, who's on the board. Can, can they go grab a couple guys late from the high school ranks, from the junior college ranks? What's the transfer portal look like? That That's one that carries plenty of intrigue for Gamecock fans is because they look around and know, that this team needs help in some key spots, receiver, DB, linebacker. So you look towards the transfer portal to see what kind of help is potentially out there. And um, if they can land some of those guys, um, obviously there's there's been a lot of portal activity. There's probably going to be more portal activity. If they can pluck some guys out of that, whoever ends up in it, um, that's going to, I think, carry a lot of, of interest from Gamecock fans too. So, there's some interest there. And then into 2022, that's what the coaching staff, obviously they're finishing on working. Uh, they're working on finishing out the 21 class, but 2022 with Gunnar Stockton with some of the talent that's in that class. Can they make some moves on some in-state guys, some out-of-state talent? There's a lot of interest there and a lot of really interesting storylines. Yeah. I'll be curious. So I, um, I haven't even posted this on our board yet, but I actually, I reached out to Gunnar Stockton's dad, who's also a coach. Um, you know, there at his high school. And basically right now, 
Gunnar Stockton still um, sort of keeping it low-key, um, has not sort of publicly said much of anything since the coaching change other than to sort of just kind of confirm he's still committed to South Carolina but hasn't said a whole lot. Um, the plan, I'm told, there is for maybe after the holiday, after the New Year's, um, for him to come out and potentially talk again after that. So I know that's something South Carolina fans have been curious about, something that everybody will um, be, uh, you know, just waiting to see exactly what he says. Is it sort of, um, you know, I'm locked in 100% with South Carolina. Is it more along the lines of I'm committed, but I just want to sort of see what else is out there, you know, whatever. All indications are, though, so far that I, I would think, Chris, the fact that that Mike Bobo is still on as offensive coordinator, still on as quarterback coach, and still uh, you have Connor Shaw, who um, listening to Beamer talk yesterday, it sounds like this role for him will be very similar to what he's been doing before, but with some added football type stuff as opposed to just um, off the field stuff like that. So I am. Um, all those things bode well for South Carolina with Gunnar Stockton, even though there hasn't been that sort of public um, declaration or response or anything like that to all the changes within the program yet from Stockton. Yeah, I mean, really the the thing that's missing that Stockton did cite after he committed was he did really like Will Muschamp. He liked Will Muschamp's coaching style. Uh, he cited that to us, but – Obviously, you look at the two, you know, biggest ties that he has, they're both still in place. You know, at the time that Stockton committed, Connor Shaw was in an off-field role. The ties there are tremendous, obviously, with Connor's brother, J-Bo, being his coach at Raven County. Uh, Lee Shaw, Connor and J-Bo's father, um, what was the coach at Raven County. And then, obviously, Mike Bobo, the connection there. He's been recruiting him for a while. George Bobo, Mike's father, taught Gunner how to throw a football. So, those things are still in place. So Gunner can be comfortable with Mike Bobo as a coach, as a person, the offensive style that he's going to, you know, incorporate, how he's going to put him in the offense. He can be comfortable with Connor Shaw and whatever role he ends up having on the South Carolina staff. And then South Carolina itself as a school, Stockton seen it, he's comfortable with it. So all those factors are still in place. And so it, it bodes extremely well for the Gamecocks, I think, to be able to hold on to him. Uh, we got our first super chat of the show today. Appreciate that, Greg S. Um, $10 tip, man. Appreciate that, definitely. Um, so, uh, Greg says, uh, who do we think will be the assistant who makes the quickest impact in recruiting or on the field? That is a great question, Greg, um, and one that I'm going to have to think about for a second. Um, Wonder I, I'll tell you about new hires or can it be an existing guy you know what I mean um yeah yeah I I, I mean and Greg feel free to, to team you know to, to send us what you're thinking there as well um I, I will say this I'm still Chris very curious to see where these where Beamer goes with these final three slots because I think based on some of the a some of the names you hear out there combined with, B, the needs South Carolina has, particularly at one of the spots at wide receiver, um, very important hires. So, obviously, your defense coordinator, always an important hire. Um, Greg says new guys will be most interesting. So, we'll, we'll go that direction. Um, 
I would say this. They need the D.C. and the receivers coach hire to be a home run, um, in my opinion, because both of those guys are going to make instant impacts if uh, they need to be able to make instant impacts, I need, I should say. Particularly receivers, it needs to be a guy they can recruit to. It needs to be a guy that's got a great personality, someone that brings excitement to that position. Um, basically, you got you got three to choose from right now as far as what Greg is talking about, um, be it Eric Kimry, Pete Limbo, or Will Friend, as far as instant impact. Um, I think uh, Kimry's already made a, a quick impact. It seems like with Nick Muse, at least putting him in a position to, to potentially come back. I, we talked about that yesterday. I think that's a big get for South Carolina. Um, I will say those both those guys, him and, and Pete Limbo, make so much sense from a fit standpoint. Um, we've talked about how you're putting together pieces of a puzzle when you build a staff. And to me, both, both those guys just fit what I think, you know, Beamer wants this South Carolina program to be about. Um, Kimry, we were obviously already very familiar with. Limbo, we're learning about and, you know, getting to know. But – um, both those guys, to me, um, could potentially make impacts, Chris. Yeah, so I, I am with you on, you know, if Greg is classifying it as new hires only, I do think the D.C. and wide receiver coach are going to have the best chance. So can't discuss those as specifically is because the hires aren't done yet. That process is not over. So I will go – that would be my answer, no matter who it is, honestly. But I think going on the three new guys that were hired – I think Kimry um, is probably going to have maybe the quickest recruiting impact because I think there's there's some carryover there. You know, he, he's in on Oscar Delp, who we profiled on the show yesterday. Obviously, they're going to try to sign a really talented tight end in 2022. He's a point of emphasis. And I think he's going to have some connections in South Carolina um, that are going to help too. Um, you know, when you – obviously, Drew Bobo. You know, you look at Drew Bobo at Hammond. He's got all sorts of ties now. Uh, <laughs> Mike, Mike Bobo. You know, obviously being his dad, that's one. Uh, number two, you got Kimry, who was his coach last year at Hammond. Um, and number three, you got Will Friend, who knows Drew extremely well because of his history with Mike Bobo. And Will Friend dispensed Drew his first offer last Marty year Alfred. when Drew was – Yeah, but he was still playing in the state of Colorado. So, you know, that's just another, you know, tie. And then C.J. Stokes from Hammond's a guy that's carried a, a Gamecock offer. So that might be the fair pick there. Um I think Pete Limbo can have a pretty quick impact, you know, special teams wise, just when you look at his track record, when you talk about on field stuff. Yeah. And I think, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm throwing up Oscar Delp here just for people to see the tight end prospect South Carolina is going after. Um, here, here's the thing, man. So I, it was pointed out to me yesterday, and I, I think this is an important thing to remember. Much like we talk about other parts of football, building a staff, in my opinion, is very much uh, more of an art than it is a science. And we, as like media fans, et cetera, would rather you hire the big hot name, right? Like the next big name, the guy we've all heard about, um, the hot shot coordinator, the, the linebackers coach that signed two five stars. Um, without really getting into the fact, well, maybe he signed 
five stars at, at Alabama or something like that, you know, one of these logo programs. Well, I, I think you look and it's very important to bring in guys that fit the mold of your program from a, I would say, off the field standpoint, from like a family standpoint, what type of person they are. And really, honestly, Chris, you got to have guys that are loyal to you as well. If you're Shane Beamer, you're a young first year head coach and there, uh, you know, there's a lot of egos in football. There's a, everybody's trying to get ahead, right? You know, everybody's trying to sort of make their mark. And we, we know that obviously Eric Kimry is going to have loyalty to, to the university of South Carolina. This was a dream job scenario for him. He's wanted that job if it would work out for a long time. Uh, and But then listening to Pete Limbo, someone I was not familiar with at all, and this is someone that's been a head coach before. Uh, he's been at places where you don't have a talent advantage a lot of times. And his press conference just screamed loyalty to my head coach, to me. So – I think if you want to split those two answers, I I think Kimry is going to hit the ground running in recruiting and um, is going to bring some some passion to this program and will be a guy who doesn't just look at South Carolina like a, the next paycheck by any means. And then I think on the field, um, as far as organization goes, being someone that Beamer can lean on and trust when a new, you know, maybe a new situation comes up that Beamer didn't expect or has never dealt with as a head coach, um, I think leaning on limbo will be instrumental for a young coach like like Beamer. And so I, 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 I'm actually really, for the most part, impressed with the staff that he's put together so far. You know, as far as uh, some of the new guys. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it's not always about the big name. Um, now, big names can be excellent. You know, they can be great. Yeah, they can be great. But I think on the flip side of that, just assuming they're going to be great at wherever they go, and, and I'm not even talking about logo schools. We've seen some schools hire head coaches, for example, where you go, that is the the absolute perfect fit. That guy's gonna he's won at this school. He's going to go to this school that makes even more sense, and he'll obviously win. And they don't do it. And we've seen assistants do the same thing at South Carolina or at other places. And so it's it's much more about um, does the guy fit and can he do the job effectively in the situation that he's in? Is it more about the situation? Is it more about the guys at a combo? It's a nuanced thing. Here, here's one I go back to. If you look at Steve Spurrier, you remember in 2009 or going into the 2009 season when they rebuilt the staff, when Spurrier rebuilt his staff, I think he had six new assistants if you count the strength and conditioning coach. Now, Steve Spurrier, Steve Spurrier. He had plenty of name recognition, right? But what what was sort of the tipping point of them turning around? He rebuilt the coaching staff for various reasons, and they started getting a lot better players too. Spurrier was a part of that, but a lot of it had to do with the really good staff that he put together. So if you look at where that staff came from, Wes, let's look at that. Craig Fitzgerald, where did he come from? Harvard. 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 One of the most revered coaches now in Gamecock history. And do you remember people absolutely – we're bringing in a guy from Harvard. This is absolutely insane, you know. And now it looks genius. 
So they bring in Fitzgerald. Um, you remember Ellis Johnson. Now that's 2009. I don't think was his first year, right? That, but was it 2008? I think it was 08 was his first one. Um, Spurrier hired Brian Van Gorder. Well, he left to go to the Falcons before he really even got started. So then he doubled back to Ellis Johnson, right? So, um, El, you know, Ellis Johnson comes on board the year before. Uh, Eric Wolford came from Illinois. G.A. Mangus came from Middle Tennessee. Jeep Hunter was, where was Jeep? Georgia Tech, Memphis, I think. He was at Memphis or Georgia Tech, one of the two, I believe. Um, Jay Graham came from Miami of Ohio, another guy that Gamecock fans love now, came from Miami of Ohio. But, you know, like th- those staff members were not some guys where they'd been at Bama, Georgia, Florida. Like it wasn't all these people that had just been at big name schools. He put together a staff that made sense, had a lot of go-getters, good coaches. They went out, they recruited. They had already laid some of the foundation, you know, with say the 2007 recruiting class and before. And they went out and got better. So um, it's not always about name or where a guy's been. It's about, are you putting together good staff? And so that's where some of the, I've seen a lot of fans say, well, Beamer said he was going to put together a good staff and, and he hasn't. And it's like, well, we, we don't know. Like he, he, he didn't say I'm going to put together a staff with a bunch of big names who've been at logo schools. That's not what he said. He said he mm-hmm. put together a good staff. And so, now we have to see what it is because in a lot of ways, this is the staff that he has envisioned so far. Yeah. And he's, um, this is something we had heard prior Chris and then that, uh, that Beamer has sort of, uh, confirmed was that he, he sort of had a depth chart. He had an A, a B, a C of coaches that were, were primary targets. Now, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that at the end of the day, Beamer will have landed all of his A's, you know, but certainly a lot of these guys that he's already brought in have been um, guys that were already on the list and, and guys that were mentioned. You know, you, you talk about a, a five-and-a-half-hour first interview uh, or in-depth interview with Ray Tanner and those guys where it was laid out, the, the plan, and, and a lot of these guys were already a part of that initial plan. So, um, by the way, Chris, we got to give a big shout-out to our boy, Ryan Cothran, um, throwing a, a 25 spot at us. Merry Christmas to you as well. Appreciate the kind words, man, and appreciate the tip there. That's awesome. Hey, if you, Ryan, if you got a question, man, throw it in the chat. We'd uh, love to uh, to answer it for you. Um, we've got a lot of questions, Chris, about, uh, rightfully so, these final three spots. And um, that, that's a question we have, uh, you know, as well. We've been digging into this. and. Um, it's been interesting to sort of follow. Obviously, there are reasons and potentially multiple reasons that the first seven were announced because they wanted them to be able to get to work, but that the, the final three have not been announced yet. And, mm-hmm. you know, some, some of that probably has to do with Beamer still sort of working through it. Some of it has to do with responsibilities at those coaches' uh, current spots, we would assume. Um, we, we hope – you know, at some point soon to be able to have another update on Gamecock Central on what's going on behind the scenes there. And I think um, has been one of those things though, that it's been kind of difficult to find concrete information on that uh, we felt comfortable enough uh, reporting. And then 
you know, on top of the final three, Chris, you also have uh, the strength, uh, you know, strength and conditioning coach, which will be another key hire that sometimes gets lost a bit in the shuffle with everything else going on, but is equally as important in my opinion. Yeah, and so that that is sort of the final piece of this. Um, now, could there look the defensive coordinator? Obviously, is going to hinge on. Um, I, I think it has been narrowed from what we've what we've heard. So, for instance, there's not a pool of five or ten guys out at this point. I mean, and I don't think there ever was. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Wes, you know, Shane Beamer came into this process with some pretty firm ideas of, hey, his top two or three is depth chart at each position, and from what he said up until recently, you know, th- those guys were still in play. And um, have there been some shifts or changes along the way? Yeah. I mean, you look at Derek Mason sort of entering the fray a little bit later. Um, I think that is a guy that has been in the mix just in some form or fashion. Jay Bateman from North Carolina has certainly been mentioned. And I've had some updates on the site about where things may stand on that. But a couple guys that we're still tracking and monitoring, but when you look at defensive coordinator, that's that's obviously a key piece that you got to put in place. And one of those guys, um, one one of those two that I mentioned, is is still coaching, and we'll see where things play out from there. If any new information comes to light, we'll definitely be reporting on that. But you've got that. You've got receiver coach where um, there are some candidates that still have responsibilities, whether it's in the NFL or whether it's with the bowl game, um, and same deal with strength coach. Um, you know, so after this weekend, there's some games, what, on January 1st, January 2nd. Mm-hmm. I think some NFL teams are ending on January 3rd. And so once all those moves happen, I think we'll see another – I don't know. It's hard to predict if it'll be sort of a miniature flurry, like we saw a big flurry of, of coaching moves announced, or if they'll trickle out one by one. But obviously, you know, defensive coordinator – is one that's going to be key because then you got one more defensive slot that's sort of attached to that. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll see where all that goes. I, I think, um, as we said earlier, man, all, all these hires are huge for South Carolina because those are such key spots moving forward. Um, and I, I think you have a situation. You, you look less, and people want to talk defensive coordinator a lot, uh, rightfully so. Um, the thing is, there you have. Let's let's say Derek. Let's assume Derek Mason is in the conversation, uh, which there's enough out there to think that he is. Um, you know, you you have a situation there where Derek Mason also has some options, right? You know, he's uh, he's I'm sure talking to other places. He's admitted as much in, in interviews that he's talked to several different schools, and um. He also has the option if he doesn't like uh, the fit somewhere, he has the option to take a year off. So, uh, so somebody responded to me on Twitter and basically said um, that this is this is obvious. It's it's one hundred percent going to be Jay Bateman. If it was Derek Mason, it would already be announced. And um, I didn't even respond, but I'll my, my answer to that here is that we've got to remember these coaches. It's not in a vacuum, you know. It's not just from a South Carolina perspective. You know, you have two different scenarios. If, if you say Bateman and look at his scenario, he still has a game left as a coordinator. So that obviously plays a factor, and I think that would play a factor in South Carolina potentially making like a final pitch for them if they decide to go that direction as well. With Mason, it's more like, yes, he's done. His season is done, but 
he's sitting at home right now trying to figure out what his next step is. So it's yep. not you know, if you're Bateman, you're you're sort of comparing staying where you are versus going somewhere else. If you're Mason, it's do I want school A, B, C, or am I just happy chilling for a year and waiting for what I may deem being a better fit? And Derek Mason, you know, not that we don't know this, but it would stand to reason that he could have some NFL opportunities as well as a position coach because he has a background there. Um, he's a guy that's had, had um, coaching experience in the, in the pros earlier in his career. So, um, you know, you got to consider that as well. But, uh, yeah, the, you know, the, the word actually on Mason, before he started coming up with some, at, at some jobs, with some openings at, at South Carolina or, you know, some people have thrown around from Michigan because that makes sense, LSU, um, to name a few. You know, there was a thought that he may just chill, you know, just take a little time away. Um, so we, we don't know yet. But there's there's two sides to it. You know, there's what does South Carolina and Shane Beamer want to do? What do the coaches involved want to do? And so um, then you've got timeline on everything. When, when do all these different guys want to decide? When are all these different guys ready to talk? You have to consider all of them. It's not as simple as just, you know, it's almost like in recruiting a little bit too. Why hadn't this guy committed yet if, if South Carolina or whatever school leads? Because he's not ready yet. You know, so you have to sort of consider all those different aspects to it. Yeah, no doubt, man. So, again, um, this show is brought to you by Affordable Medical, home of the game day chair. Uh, Chris, you want to tell everybody a little bit about uh, the fine folks uh, at Affordable Medical and why they should buy a game day chair? Yeah, you need to check out the Game Day Chair if you're on YouTube, which we hope you are. Streaming with us at the top left corner there, you'll see a picture of the Game Day Chair. It is super comfortable and roomy, a great addition to your man cave or your living room. Click the link in our YouTube description, or if you're on the podcast page, uh, click there, and it'll take you to the uh, website at affordablemedicalusa.com, or you can call them at 803-926-1493. And ask about the game day chair. It is the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight. It's like sitting on a cloud. And the Twilight technology is going to be the lay flat zero gravity technology, a variety of positions at the push of a button. And also, I'm going to say it again if you're in the game day chair, which you should be, you need to have on your dead soxy socks. I've got them on right now. Cold outside, super comfortable, no slip technology. And you can check out Wes, just put it up if you're on the stream. The uh, on the right is what we're calling unofficially the spur line from Dead Soxy. Make sure you go to deadsoxy.com and click on the college link. Click on South Carolina, and it will take you to those socks. If you don't want anything themed for you know the spur line of socks, make sure you check out all of their other offerings: no-show socks, boardroom dress socks. They've got an awesome selection there at deadsoxy.com. No doubt, man. Appreciate that, Chris. And uh, if you, I mean, it's a great combination. You can be comfortable sitting in the chair, and uh, your feet can be warm because it has been very cold lately. It's actually a lot more. It's a lot more mild in Columbia today, but otherwise, it has been chilly. So, uh, what's up, Eugene? See him rolling in on Facebook. Uh, Eugene, a uh, special teams coach at the high school level here in South Carolina. Um, Miss Susan says she just got her spur socks, and Doc said he got his dead socksy yesterday as well. So uh, that's a great sign. Uh, the marketing is working, and I hope y'all are happy with your dead socksy socks. And Miss Susan also says 
for anyone who saw the picture and thought uh, that they looked a little too red as opposed to garnet, that they actually look much more garnet in person. So red, red is actually a color that's hard or garnet is a color that's hard to get directly right. Um, and it, but it's harder to show an exact color. I feel like on a screen compared to the, the cloth color of it. So, um, that's good to hear. Cause I know there were a couple people who wondered about that uh, a little bit. So, uh, those are garnet, even if they look a little bit more red on the screen. Um, so Chris, I'm trying to remember, man, how did, which guys did we get into yesterday? We sort of, um, we didn't get into all the coaches as far as playing Beamer's comments. Uh, did we get into Dez and uh, Beamer's thoughts on why he was so impressed with Dez Kitchings? I don't think we did. We talked about uh, Limbo, Kimry. Did we talk about Will Friend? I, I don't think we got into yeah. keeping Dez Kitchings or Will Friend. Okay, yeah. So we did not. So that, that'll be our consensus. People who have better memories than us can uh, remind us if, if that's not the case. But I think you're right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go out now. This is Beamer yesterday talking about why he was so impressed and why he decided to keep Des Kitchings. I'm really Kitchings. pumped about being able to keep Des Kitchings as a running back coach. He's someone that I've thought a lot of for a long time. Uh, I've, spent, I've seen Des uh, on the road recruiting when I was at Georgia. I spent a couple of days in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, visiting with, uh, with their staff about some things that Kirby Smart had sent me up there to visit with and got to know Des a little bit better then. Uh, fantastic recruiter, fantastic person. Uh, fantastic coach did a great job with the running backs at, at South Carolina this season, which I think is a testament to him. Cause if I'm not mistaken, I mean, he didn't get hired till the springtime, if I'm not mistaken. So he's another one that really hasn't been in Columbia for a long, long time. Uh, knew and liked him as a coach and as a person long before I got the job, but just in my short time on the job, I've been just absolutely blown away by Des and, and, and what he's about. It seemed like, still seems like every single person that we're recruiting, whether it be a running back, a offensive lineman, a linebacker, a defensive back, a defensive lineman, a potential transfer, a high school prospect, a juco prospect, Des knows them and has been involved in their recruitment. They know him. And uh, I'm really fired up by that. Uh, he's a team guy that certainly has done a great job from a recruiting standpoint that I know Mike thinks a lot of as an offensive coach. The fact that he's you know been an offensive coordinator before, I think it's very beneficial, brings a lot to the offensive staff room from an X's and O's standpoint. And he's got, let's face it, he's got great ties uh, to the state of South Carolina and is well thought of by a lot of people, high school coaches, fellow college coaches, uh, and, and, and high school prospects as well. So yeah, there. Uh, that's being we're talking about Des Kitchings. Apparently, we thought Chris was going to have internet issues. Um, I've seen in the chat maybe I'm having internet issues and I don't even know it. But uh, again, we apologize if it's choppy or pixelated or whatever. Um, I don't. I don't know what's going on. My my internet was out for hours yesterday. I thought it was back. It seems good on my end, but I, I guess it it maybe doesn't um, look that way on yours. But I I think. Chris, uh, when you look at, at Des Kitchings, this is the perfect example of it playing out where we've already seen it play out for a year of what we were talking about earlier in the show with hiring, you know, a, a Pete Limbo, hiring a, an Eric Kimry, of bringing in smart dudes, but that fit what, you know, you, you're about as a program. And, 
you know, Kitchings is someone you'll remember. We we sort of have tracked him for like years, thinking there was a chance he'd end up at South Carolina, and it just sort of never. It was never the right timing for some reason, and then it finally happened yesterday. And I, I think you're seeing what can happen when you you give him a little bit more of a recruiting profile at South Carolina than maybe you do it in maybe he had at NC State SEC backing to sort of recruit to. Um, but take a guy that cares about the Palmetto State, not a USC grad, but his you know his parents are still in this state. He's from this state. He went to Furman from a small town. In South Carolina, which I think um, is important because you have to recruit so many small towns in this state and has brought some ties to North Carolina as well, just based on his, I guess, I think it was eight years at NC State. So I um, I think Beamer, I mean, you listen, Beamer, there, there was obviously a reputation there with him coming in, but it sounds like he quickly saw, uh, you know, and, and we've even been told this, Chris, um, that Des Kitchings is going to be instrumental, I think, to South Carolina's success moving forward um, because he is involved in so many guys recruiting and seems to be someone, even if it's not his position or even sometimes his area, he just likes to sort of remain involved and to help other guys uh, on the recruiting trail, I think. Yeah, Des is sort of a big-picture guy, I think. Um He's not someone that's just gonna, you know, he's gonna give a lot of effort in a lot of areas. And I think, you know, he's been an OC before. He's been a recruiting coordinator before, so he's got an idea. He gets it. He knows how these things work. And so you, you think back to before some of these other hires got done. Really, the the office for South Carolina or the remote office was sort of scaled back. So you had Beamer obviously doing a lot of stuff remotely or in the office, depending on where he was at the time. Then you had all these other guys wherever they were. You only had four on-field coaches who were sort of holdovers from the staff for a specific period, Rocker, Peterson, um, and Des Kitchings and Mike Bobo. And so those guys were all really, you know, pumping in a lot of extra different work, whether it's watching guys or recruiting guys. We saw Mike Peterson contacting a lot of different defensive prospects, even if they weren't necessarily his, you know, his specific position bunch of linebackers he contacted and Des, you know, same sort of deal. So he's a guy that, you know, I think isn't selfish, doesn't have an ego and just gets after it. And obviously when you look at his track record with where he's been, the spots he's been, he's done really well recruiting. He's done really good, really well developing running backs. And, um, you know, even when you look at not a lot of bright spots offensively for South Carolina last year because of personnel and all those different things, but Des Kitching certainly did a good job with his group and uh, has a chance to continue that, and he's doing a good job recruiting as well. Yeah, I think you look, man, he always took care. The first thing I, I look at with the coach as far as a recruiter, um, do they take care of their own room? And, and what I mean by that is do do they make sure that their, their room is stocked, uh, you know, not just with a starter but with some depth and – I think the the thing about Des Kitchings at NC State is that it was a very nice combination of sometimes landing that high four-star guy. You know, you look at a Naheem Hines. Um, sometimes it was about landing a three-star guy who ends up being much better than um, maybe he was in the rankings than he was on paper. And what he was able to do with that by sort of 
hitting on, on enough guys there is they had depth um, at that position. I, I think there was a stretch where they had three different 1,000-yard rushers at NC State and um, actually has had four of his last five years that he's been a running backs coach dating back, obviously, to NC State. And then this year with Kevin Harris, he's had a 1,000-yard rusher um, four of the last five. So, um, you know, I, I think you, you look and, and you certainly see why um, he's able to – why he has the reputation that he does. But um, we'll uh, we'll see where that goes moving forward as far as – he already – you know, we said we're going to talk a little bit of recruiting. He already has sort of – position South Carolina, Chris, I think with some guys in the 20, um, 2022 class where we don't, we don't know which exact guy it's going to be, but to me that the great recruiters, you position yourself with enough guys that, you know, I mean, if I'm in good shape with five running backs, six running backs, I feel like I can sign one of them, you know, and South Carolina is in a situation where they've already developed some depth at that position. You bring Marshawn Lloyd back, bring Kevin Harris back, and now uh, you have a situation to keep adding to that with the class moving forward. Yeah, I mean, definitely that running back room, especially if everybody stays in place, has a chance to be really good. And you look at some of the guys that Des is in on for the 2022 class that, you know, C.J. Stokes from Hammond's a guy we mentioned earlier, in-state guy. But, um, you know, the first name that comes to my mind in the 22 class is Nicholas Singleton, um, you know, out of Pennsylvania. He's a four-star guy, um, had a big year last year um, in his classification, high school ball, really talented guy with a really nice offer list. And another guy that has South Carolina ties. He has family that lives 15 minutes from the stadium. And so he's certainly someone that we're going to be tracking pretty heavily. He's interested. He has a good relationship with Kitchings. And there are multiple other guys that he's already laid very nice groundwork with. Jaylon Glover, you know, out of Florida, who, who had a, a big year in the Sunshine State last year. And he's another one that comes to mind where, you know, Des has done a really good job of building relationships early with a lot of these guys. And then, look, South Carolina does have some really compelling tape, even from this past year. Not a lot of great on that offense last year for reasons that we we already discussed. But the run game was good. I mean, the, the leading rusher in the SEC. And so they can put that on tape for these running backs. Des can stand on his track record from his career at NC State at Vandy with what he did there, coaching Zach Stacy and Warren Norman, two of the, the best two backs in Vandy history, were under Des Kitching. Um, you know, he can stand on that. And then Mike Bobo, obviously, at his previous stops, um, has certainly put up with some really talented backs, you know, put up really big numbers too. So there's a lot to sell to these backs, and they're – you know, poised pretty well to continue, you know, stocking that room, it looks like. Um, our buddy Travis says, uh, can Stokes play wide receiver? Um, of course, referring to C.J. Stokes at Hammond. Um, game caps, I would imagine, are going to be in pretty good shape now with uh, both Drew Bobo, who we talked about, and C.J. Stokes there at Hammond. Um, C.J.'s dad sometimes joins us here on the show and watches. Uh, shout out to him if he's on here. Um, you know, Chris – I, to, to answer the question, can he play receiver? I mean, I would say yes, but, you know, I, I saw C.J. Stokes play twice, I think, this past year, two or three times, and to me, he looks like a pure running back. Now, do you split him out in the slot some? He can catch the football. Is he a guy you can use on wheel routes and, 
angle routes and stuff like that out of the backfield. Absolutely. Um, kickoff return type person. I, I think you, you would certainly look at getting his speed on the field that way. Um, I like, I like him as a pure running back though, man. I, uh, he, he's a kid that since he ran that, what did he run it at, at South Carolina? Four, four, uh-huh. um, at, at camp. Since he ran that, he, um, you know, I was talking to one of the strength guys over there at Hammond and, he he's put on some really good weight, put on some muscle, has sort of filled out his frame um, while keeping his speed. He's very balanced kid. He, he um, you know can, can run. I, I think with a little bit more power, maybe even um, maybe even than he knows now that he's got a little extra size on him. So I, I like him as a true running back, but certainly he's a guy who can do some versatile things for you. Yeah, he could help on special teams. I do think he could play in the slot or, or be a guy that's asset out of the backfield. But he is – I remember the first time I saw CJ, I think he was, you know, maybe 170, 175 pounds, something like that. As a sophomore, I was at the school, you know, visiting with Alex Huntley and not really visiting with Jordan Birch. But, but uh, yeah, t- talking to those guys. And, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he's gotten a lot bigger. I mean, shoot, it was noticeable from from his his sophomore year after his sophomore year to his junior year, you know, got a got a lot bigger and put on muscle and, and kept his speed. And as a guy that's, you know, probably you think of CJ, you think of a speed guy, but he's also built well and um, you know, has the potential to continue getting better and better running through contact as well. No doubt. All right. So let's um let's go into Will Friend a little bit here, man, because I don't think we've done that yet. So here is Shane Beamer yesterday on New South Carolina O-line coach, Will Friend. Uh, Will Friend, uh, our new offensive line coach. Will and I actually uh, live, I mentioned it, he, he lived in the same house. So when I he lived in the house that I moved into when I took the job in Athens in 2016. Will had lived there uh, before I did. Uh, across the street was Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, so it's kind of a two <laughs> of the SEC that's been in this little neighborhood. But uh, first got to know Will living in his house when I first got there. Uh, but another guy that, that we tried to hire when we tried to hire Mike Bobo at, to come to Virginia Tech, Mike was going to bring Will Friend with him as his offensive line. And uh, unfortunately for us at Virginia Tech at the time, they decided to stay at Georgia. But it's worked out and things have certainly come uh, full circle. He's got SEC experience at, at multiple schools. If you look at what Mike Bobo uh, has accomplished as an offensive coordinator and for all of the great offenses that he had at Georgia. And you can go year in, year out, and, and that's a fact. His most successful time period as an offensive coordinator was when Will Friend was his offensive line coach. So this was a obviously your offensive coordinator and your offensive line coach. Those two guys got to be work. They got to work well together. They've got to mesh together. And from day one, this was uh, who Mike Bobo wanted to get in here as the offensive line coach. And uh, I'm thankful that we were able to uh, to get it done. Obviously, it wasn't easy uh, to get him to leave Tennessee. They certainly did not want him uh, leaving Knoxville. Uh, but I'm excited about having him here. And I, and I did my research on him. And it's not so, something as simple as Mike Bobo saying that he wants Will Friend as his offensive line coach. I got to make sure these guys fit and, and that they're the kind of guys and coaches that I want in this program. And I did a little a lot of research on on my end, on all these guys. And, and I talked to a lot of people about Will Friend, people at Tennessee that I trust, uh, players at Georgia that were there with uh, Mike Bobo and Will Friend that I reached out to just to get their thoughts on it. And they couldn't have been more positive about uh, those two guys and, and then specifically Will 
from talking to a lot of those players at Georgia, the type of impact he had on them, not just offensive linemen, but tight ends that I coached when I was at Georgia that, that were there with Will Friend as well. And, and that uh, really solidified things in my mind. Yeah, so that's uh, Beamer talking about, um, obviously, Bobo, but then Will Friend, offensive line coach for South Carolina. And, you know, someone that I, I think, uh, Chris, frankly, you know, South Carolina fans have had their questions about this, and, I, you know, I get it. And, um, you know, I, I think as a guy that comes in from Tennessee, Tennessee didn't have the year this past season that, that they wanted to. Um, now, I tend to think Tennessee had some problems that – run they continue to run a little bit deeper um you know than their offensive line coach personally and uh, you know to, to beamer's point there will friend and bobo together have been able to do some some really good things offensively both at colorado state which i tend to think as as we watch south Carolina's offense evolve chris i think it's gonna look much more like we saw bobo uh you know run at colorado state compared to what he had to run this past season. When you look at what Beamer had to say about his offensive thoughts and philosophy, um, you know, sort of molding or melding, I guess is probably the word, um, the, the Oklahoma stuff with the Colorado State type stuff, uh, you know, with, with Bobo's offense. So, um, friend at Georgia was very good. Um, his offense at Colorado State were good. Um, certainly, at you know, at Tennessee, there's been lots of questions from top to bottom there, but – uh, not not him. I mean, just at, at a lot of spots. So I get that some people have questioned that, um, but I, I do think there. When you look at a fit, it, it makes sense as far as having a guy who fits um, and has done good things with your current coordinator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there's definitely a track record of meshing. You know, there, there's always a question of when you're mixing and matching coaches how, how are they philosophic is it a philosophical match is it a personality match are they familiar plenty of familiarity here these two guys are close um obviously will friend's going to know exactly the offensive style that mike bobo's going to run from terminology i mean there'll be no learning curve whatsoever there and they'll be very very comfortable with each other um and so you know friend when you look up and down his track a lot of people I've seen this a lot lately at different spots, and, and it's okay. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, but a lot of people are taking one sample of a guy's career, whether it's um, five games or last year or one particular year, and throwing out a guy's entire body of work. And this happened with multiple coaches um, in favor of just picking out what, what is the most worst possible way to look at it and um and that's fine too you need to consider those things i mean you consider good bad everything in between but friend does have a good track record in his career i think one thing people are wondering about is um you know the recruiting angle and obviously you know obviously recruiting offensive linemen here in south carolina is going to be different than georgia you know it's a different type of situation it's not a logo school so that is that's something that i think eric wolford did a good job of as he got in on kids really early he was aggressive with it. Um, he was he was very forward facing in recruiting, and so that's actually not as typical with offensive line coaches. You know, that's not that recruiting grinder type of position. It's a little bit more about evaluations, development, and so I think that's what we'll see with Friend. But they do have some young talent on this team that I think can still be good. They're going to get back four or five starters if there's no attrition on that offensive line, and then they have a chance 
you know, to, to carry forward when you look at the 2022 class, which will be higher in volume with offensive linemen in terms of number. Um, they've got some irons in the fire there that are sort of intriguing. Yeah, man. And all right. So I, I don't, I, I've seen, I've seen a reaction and we've got one right now in the chat. I've seen it on Twitter as well. I think we've, we've got to stop comparing head coaching uh, results to coordinator results because it's, it's just, it does, it's apples and oranges. Um, what you, Get it, getting let go as Colorado State's head coach, if you're Mike Bobo. Because um, one of the first responses here uh, was the Colorado State offense that got Bobo fired when we were talking about friend and Bobo able to do together. Um, well, first of all, uh, when Bobo was fired, friend had already left Colorado State to go to Tennessee. And second of all, uh, the offenses at Colorado State were very good. Um so then you can't – and someone had a reaction that, um, you know, he, he did well – Bobo did well at Georgia, and then someone else said, well, anybody can win at Georgia. Uh, well, again, we're, talk, we're talking about the offensive coordinator. We're not, we're not talking about the, the head coach. So, you know, it, it's – if you didn't win as a head coach, that doesn't mean you can't be a really good offensive coordinator. So I – I understand why some people wanted to see a different direction offensively, but and I don't want to dive all back into this again because we went into it pretty deep yesterday. But the offensive scheme you saw last year is, or this past season, I mean, the season that just finished is not the offensive scheme that Mike Bobo would have been running if South Carolina had dudes across the board and had great players across the board. Even if, if you go back and look at what he was able to do at Georgia, even if you break it down to just against SEC, like conference games, Georgia was way up there consistently every single year. And you can't tell me just Georgia had talent. Um, you're, you're playing against some pretty darn good defenses in the SEC as well. And, um, you know, Bobo did really good things running the offense at Georgia. The Colorado State offense was not the problem. And he has shown throughout his career, Chris, that he can evolve as a play caller and as a, a scheme guy. So I think we will continue to see Bobo's offense evolve moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a necessity thing um, in terms of what they ran schematically. They had two guys offensively on a consistent basis. I, I think you, you could loop Nick Muse into that. He made some big plays for this team. Um, but the, the the most consistent guys, the other two, the main two, were Kevin Harris, Shy Smith, got both those guys the ball, despite everybody in the stadium and on the field and every coach out there knowing that those were the two guys that were getting the ball. And, um, look, I know George had a lot of talent. Everybody else did too. What if, novel concept, what if South Carolina could recruit that type of talent to South Carolina at some point? Then you might have something. You know, the best play callers always have talent. But when you've got a guy that can squeeze production out of similar talent to everybody else or, or who can squeeze production out of minimal talent and make it better than it should be, that's when you've got something. And so, um, you know, Mike, I know, I know people are splitting some hairs about some different things, and that's understandable, and um, everybody's entitled to that opinion. We're giving our opinion on this show, too. Um, you know, he's he's got a track record, and what you – 
what you saw last year, to go back to Wes's point, they're not going to line up in the I formation from now until eternity and just run the ball all the time. That's not that's not the only goal. But they do have to recruit some receivers. I shudder to think about this offense running a 70-throw-a-game air raid last year. I mean, you know, or, or ever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or ever. Definitely. All right, y'all. I, I think that's going to do it for the show today. Um, I think we've about hit on everything we got to say. Um, you got any closing thoughts, Chris? No closing thoughts today, man. Well, I do know you uh, You got an insider report up. You want to tell everybody that hasn't checked out GamecockCentral.com today what they can uh, read about? Yeah, check out the Insider Report. Link is right there on the front page of GamecockCentral.com. It's got some notes on um, you know, some 2021 targets that are out there, uh, some names that have sort of been revived lately, uh, really intriguing junior college linebacker, also some 2022 guys that South Carolina is already in on, Eric Kimry, Will Friend, uh, with some tight ends, some offensive linemen, and a little bit more on Shane Beamer's outreach to high school head coaches in South Carolina. No doubt. All right, check that out, GamecockCentral.com. As, uh, I don't want to say as always, but as some as you sometimes can do, and as you can do right now, use the code GameCocks to get 50% off your first year of a Gamecock Central subscription. And uh, if you're not already on there, hopefully we'll see you there. If you're not subscribed to us here on YouTube, um, appreciate those of you who did subscribe. We're up over 5,000 on our YouTube page now, which honestly didn't know if it was going to be possible to do that this fast, but you uh, guys and girls did make that possible. So we really appreciate that. Um, For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll be back uh, tomorrow afternoon, and I hope to see you all then. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So I used the savings from switching to Progressive 30 years ago to buy tickets to the championship game. You know, between those two teams that didn't exist 30 years ago? Yeah, I'm a big Alaska Palm Trees fan. Which is a team now, in the future? So switch to Progressive and save big because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.